The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 189. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a Time Lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Braveheart, Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding! Position universe. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Hello, I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the seventh Doctor story called The Happiness Patrol. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hello, Father. Howdy, coming to you from my new house in scenic Fort Shaw, Montana. Say hi to the cows out back for me. I saw. I noticed that you have cows uh, in yeah, your backyard. Yeah, I got cows and donkeys and goats <laughs> and gophers. The gophers may not live much longer, but the rest will. <laughs> awesome. And uh, far away from Montana is Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. I'm closer to Montana than you are, but hello. Probably, yeah, probably. Actually, I think yeah. yeah I'm, I'm very I'm, much. So. I'm on the East Coast. You're on the West Coast. Montana is more West than East. So yes, yep. that's true. Uh, folks, if you can, if you have not yet done so, please subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app, or on the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should also make sure to hit the bell to get notifications of new episodes. So today we're talking about this uh, Seventh Doctor story, the Sylvester McCoy story, The Happiness Patrol. Uh, this is from 1988. Uh, this is the the la- the the last of the classic doctors in the classic era, I'd say. Although, eight, where does the Eighth Doctor fit? Uh, he's, he's partway between classic and new. Yes, he's he's yeah he he's not quite the classic. Uh, whereas the Sylvester McCoy is definitely the BBC classics uh, era, and it's a three part story, uh, three episodes, which is unusual. Yes, yes. Although uh, there's a couple during that. this season that we're covering, I noticed. Right. And this is the second of his three seasons, all short seasons, uh, the, as the as Doctor Who the classic uh, version uh, began to wind down uh, back in the late eighties. Uh, and his companion is Ace. Mm-hmm. And the story basically is they're at an Earth colony where sadness is against the law and punishable by death by candy. I I read online somewhere that this was intended to be a parody of Thatcherism and yes. Margaret Thatcher. Well, it definitely helped the character Helen A. in this. Everyone is yeah. known by a first name and then a letter, which indicates your rank in society. So yeah. she's Helen A., so she's the top of society. She'd be lower ranked if she was Helen B. Yeah. And, and so Helen A. is a satire of Margaret Thatcher, and apparently there are a few phrases that Helen A. uses in talking to people that were supposedly phrases that Margaret Thatcher would use, like, I like the cut of your jib or something like that, things to that effect. Uh But beyond that, I'm not really sure what's being satirized here, because happiness was not compulsory. 
<laughs> in you know Thatcher era Britain, and so maybe someone from over the pond can enlighten us on exactly what's being satirized here, if anything, on a deeper level societally than just a few superficial Thatcherisms. Yeah, it, it, I was because I'm you know I'm superficially familiar with that era and in, in, in Margaret Thatcher, and I'm thinking I, I don't think like happiness and anti sadness was the top of the conservative party's uh, uh, you know platform uh, so yeah it, it, you know I, well, and, and Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher didn't try to put on the you know the happy look when she was in public where she was always smiling and everything so right. i mean she she was pretty yeah they called blunt, her the so. iron lady yeah, yeah exactly yeah. almost the yeah opposite yeah uh, although perhaps it's a i mean she did encourage self-reliance yep and maybe that's kind of related to the just buck up and get over it kind of attitude that Helen A has in this episode. Yeah. I'm not I'm not sure. I did but it <laughs> definitely didn't come across in in just a happy happy way with Margaret Thatcher. I mean, she rather admirably for a politician in commenting on people who were living just off the dole without meaning on welfare, without even trying to get a job and make a productive contribution and support themselves and and so forth. She actually quoted St. Paul saying, uh, you know, from Second Thessalonians, if a man will not work, let him not eat. Mm, interesting. Uh, there is one, another bit of comparison between this and Margaret Thatcher, which is also that the husband, sort of the henpecked or meek husband in the background, her uh, Margaret Thatcher's husband was kind of often parodied as being sort of this meek guy in the background who, you know, d let his wife uh, take control. I, I mean, it feels very anachronistic now. Mm -hmm. But uh, but it, back then it seemed like oh the, she's running the the house the sort of stuff. I thought I'd mention there are a couple of other things that we've talked about here on the show that are kind of similar to this story. One of them is Paradise Towers, which yep. is another kind of dystopian satire with its very colorful and things. That was satire of life in an apartment complex mm -hmm. or a housing project. Also, Live 34, the yep. audio play yep. that we did from Big Finish, which was in both of these were other Seventh Doctor things. And in Live 34, you had a dark take on the Troubles and Thatcher era Britain and things like that, where the Doctor and Ace and Hex, uh, one of the audio companions, uh, again, were in a kind of, and in all three of these, they're kind of in a revolutionary position. They're going to bring down this dope, dystopian situation and enable right. something better to emerge. Yeah, I got. The, I was very much getting a Live 34 vibe from this one as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. very similar. But with a more happy veneer rather than the, <laughs> darker, the darker veneer in Live 34. That's true. Also, one of the figures we'll meet in this is the Candyman, who's <laughs> sort of Helen A.'s executioner. And the Candyman, they never come out and say it exactly, but they strongly, I mean, they, 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 they leave all the pieces there for you to figure it out, including some visual things. But he's basically a robot made out of candy. Yeah. And specifically, he's made out of something that we don't really have commonly here in America called licorice all sorts. Licorice we have, but they make licorice into all sorts of different little confections of different shapes and textures okay. and color patterns. And so they take those all different sorts of licorice and put it in a bag and call it licorice all sorts. And the candy man is, uh, he's human sized. I mean, he's like, 
he's bigger than six foot tall because there's an actor in there. But they've got this suit for him that makes him look like giant pieces of licorice all sorts that have been stitched together in a in the in human form. And he looks in particular very close to a character named Bertie Bassett that was the mascot of Bassett Foods, the maker of the most popular brand of licorice all sorts in the UK. And mm. Bassett Foods then objected to this episode or this story as ripping off their mascot, Bertie Bassett. And oh. the, the BBC wrote back to them and said, actually not, but just to be nice, we won't ever have the Candyman again. <laughs> which, which I'm grateful for. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's get into this episode. It opens with... Um, I'm yep. sorry, before we do, one more thing. Yep. Rowan Williams, the Archbishop of Canterbury, referred to this story in his 2011 Easter sermon on the subject of happiness and joy. And oh, wow. <laughs> there was there was a link to his uh, sermon, but it was a dead link, and I couldn't find it another way. But I'd love to know what the Archbishop of Canterbury said in his Easter sermon relating this episode to the themes of happiness and joy. I'm assuming it was somewhat a, an unflattering comparison, like this is not what we're interested in. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say the Church of England will begin rolling out the happiness patrol effective immediately. No, <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, okay, we'll be... Uh, 2011, you say? I'll have to, I'll 2011. Have to do some, some oh, of my digging. And, and one, one more, one last preliminary note, just to give people an idea visually of what this looks like, you know how in Star Wars, they have this kind of black and white, all the Imperial settings are either, are, have this black and white theme visually to them. Those are the two dominant colors. You know, you look at Darth Vader, he's black. You look at the Stormtroopers, they're in this white armor. And the same thing, you look in the backgrounds, things tend to be black and white, indicating the kind of starkness. Well, this has a black and white theme, too. In fact, there was originally they were going to film this in black and white, although they didn't. But in addition to black and white, because happiness is a theme, they have pink as the accent color. So all the way through this, it's black, white, and pink, black, white, and pink, black, white, and pink, just being recycled over and over visually in different ways. Mm. Uh, by the way, here's the Archbishop's reference to uh, Happiness Patrol in his, his uh, sermon from 2011's Easter Sunday. Uh, now, it's certainly a good thing that people have publicly acknowledged that there's more to life than the level of our gross national product, that we're just beginning to say out loud that corporate prosperity, divorce from personal and communal fulfillment or stability is an empty thing. It's when we try and put more flesh on this that it becomes more complicated. Some of you might just remember an episode of Doctor Who a couple of decades ago called The Happiness Patrol, where the Doctor arrives on a planet in which unhappiness is a capital crime and blues musicians lead a dangerous underground existence. But less dramatically, most of us know the horrible experience of a family outing where things aren't going too well, and mum or dad keeps saying through ever more tightly gritted teeth, This is fun, isn't it? Hmm. That's a pretty good. <laughs> So that's uh, that's the extent of his reference to it. Uh, so, but uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, and okay. you, you all can can get the full uh, experience. I don't remember uh, that happening in my family. <laughs> <laughs> We're having fun. Well, it might be particularly British. It uh, might so be. That, <laughs> uh, so the the story opens with a, a woman sitting on a bench, a middle aged woman um, in a uh, w in, wearing a raincoat over her bright pink suit. We mentioned that you mentioned the colors. Um, she's sitting on this bench. She looks sad, and a man 
who is obviously one of these surreptitious, like, uh, hey, uh, I'm I'm trying to pretend that no one can see me talking to you, you know, uh, uh, psst, you know, I'm I'm yeah. a stranger here. He, uh, he, anyway, he, he tried. He's he's like yeah. one of those guys in old cartoons that will like want to sell you something shady or would you like to watch? Like yes, and he, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. So he tries to interest her in getting together with other sad people, uh, and then reveals himself to be part of the Happiness Patrol and a bunch of Cindy Lauper wannabes with super soakers show up to kill her. Fun guns with yes, they are the yeah they are the Happiness Patrol that the, they have this. They're in uh, mini skirts with bright pink hair. Uh, high heels and these big, uh, you know, crazy colored. They look, uh, they, they look like to me like super suckers, but yeah, they call them fun guns. I mean, it's it feels like it does feel a little bit like entrapment you think? <laughs> mm-hmm. here. But the funny thing is, is like if being sad is is a crime, why does he have to, to have to get her to agree to go somewhere? She's already sad, right? I think weird. I think that you have to cross a certain line of demonstrativeness. They don't yeah. kill you for your first frown. But for persistent sadness, and it isn't. It is totally entrapment. Yes, and that was one of the things that kind of struck me throughout this ep- this story was how often the members of the Happiness Patrol or Helen or other people in charge were themselves not demonstrably happy. They were, in right. fact, they looked stern or unhappy or what have you. And and maybe that was supposed to be sort of ironic or you know hypocritical of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that case, yeah, uh, they're struggling to and failing to live up to their own standard because it's inhuman. Well, it, it becomes clear too right. that Helen wants absolute happiness so that she doesn't have to deal with being unhappy. I mean, it it, it really comes down right. to her wanting this perfect happiness so that it it doesn't affect her happiness that she's struggling with. Right, right. She's unhappy, and so she wants everyone else to make her happy. Uh, so the doctor and Ace arrive at the TARDIS, and they they come out talking about dinosaurs. Uh, uh, they and going to visit them. Doctor, the doctor still hasn't been back Ace since Earthshock. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and uh, he, they they mention they don't like the music that's playing, which uh, it's too phony and too happy. Or uh, lift the, music, as Ace calls it in this episode. I don't know that they have the music corporation in Britain. Right, right. Yeah, we should be clear on that. And. Uh, uh, the doctor says they're on Earth Colony Terra Alpha. He's been hearing hearing bad rumors about what's going on there, and decided to to come and check in. So a, a woman with bright red and purple hair, lots of makeup, garish clothes, pinning a badge on the undercover Happiness Patrol cop clad in pink, and this is Helen A. Mm-hmm. She says he's captured forty five Killjoys, but he says, "Oh, uh, it's it's forty seven actually and she says i'm keeping track here yeah uh, i love i love the hair that she's got it's such an unnatural shade of red it's like brighter than fire engine red it's like cherry red yeah. oh yeah uh by the way uh, i i know the uh, the the transcript that i use made a reference to the fact that he says 47 kills which is a possible reference to the 47 conspiracy do, do you guys know the 47 conspiracy the 47 Conspiracy says that there's an inordinate number of references in TV shows and movies to 47 of something. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's it kind of funny. I, I, the, what is it about the number 47 that uh, screenwriters like to use it? It should have been 42. Knows, but, uh, Why was it not it's 42? It's kind of funny. <laughs> exactly. That's in science videos. I see 42 a lot. <laughs> because there's a lot of John, uh, Douglas Adams yeah. geek fans in science. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, I, but, I find but it ironic. Keep, keep that yeah. keep that phrase forty seven killjoys in mind. Okay, we'll come, we'll come back to it later in the episode. Uh, I do find it ironic that they they call the sad people killjoys when that's what they're doing is killing them. You, you know, like the kill kill well, the killjoys. The killjoys killed the joy, um, so we got to kill the killjoys. Right, right. Uh, It's uh, it's so uh, it's so so extra sinister because what it is, you know, like it's about happiness, but we're killing people. Uh, So the the meanwhile, the Doctor and Ace meet meet uh, some sort of official who demands their names, but but refuses any nicknames, which he thinks Ace is a nickname, and of course, Doctor is not the Doctor's name. And 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 the Doctor gives him. uh, He says he learns the name of the this this guy is a census taker, so he wants people's real names for the census, and so that's why he's on this no nicknames thing. And and the Doctor says, "What's your name, Trevor Sigma?" Oh, my my nickname at college was Theta Sigma. No nicknames. (laughs) By the way, if you look familiar, uh, it was John Normington who played Morgus on Caves of Adrazani. Oh, he was okay, the big okay. evil capitalist in that one. The big mm-hmm. okay. Also, Ace is a nickname. Her real name is Dorothy. Yes, yes. Uh, and well, the uh, the interesting thing is the census taker keeps saying like, "I don't have my name is you know information is classified. I don't have to give that to you." And the doctor each time maneuvers him into a way of revealing the the classified information or the the information doesn't have to give up, which I think is funny. Like because this will come up again. Uh, this uh, Trevor Sigma. Um, Sigma is uh, for for last names. So, you know, everyone who's native to Terra Alpha mm-hmm. has a letter for their last name, as you said, Jimmy. But aliens, people not from the uh, Terra, Terra Alpha, uh, are called first name and Sigma to designate their alienness. Right. So yes. later we have references to Doctor Sigma and Ace Sigma. Yeah. Uh, so the Happiness Patrol shows up, and they think that the TARDIS is a little uh, it, the blue TARDIS is a little too depressing, so they paint it pink. Uh, they, which is and, and the uh, doctor, the look. doctor actually liked. I, it. I wish they did the more with that. The doctor actually liked it. Yeah, <laughs> I was kind of surprised they didn't do more with that, like the pink TARDIS. Like you know, uh, it, I don't know, you have it show up every once in a while, a be something. Yeah, yeah, it just was kind of like, oh, we're going to paint it pink, and that's it. And I mean, I suppose as a fan, you're aghast. They painted the TARDIS pink. Like, how could you deface this icon? Uh, but uh, so, um. The doctor and Ace find the this bench that the that the the woman who'd been shot by the Happiness Patrol was sitting on. It's now full of bullet holes, and uh, then back at the TARDIS, they find Daisy something. I forget her Daisy letter. Daisy K. Daisy K. Thank you of the Happiness Patrol, and the the doctor tells her he's happy with the pink paint job and um, reveals that they're strangers and they're trying to get arrested in order to find out what's going on. I love but that Daisy, strategy. It's like yes. deliberately, we're going to get arrested so we can find out what's going on. And Ace <laughs> is all up for that. It's like it, they're frustrated they're not getting arrested as quickly as they wanted. Right. In fact, the doctor has to remind her that he and Ace are supposed to have badges issued at customs as as foreigners, and, and that's what ends up getting them uh, arrested, detained. Oh, one other visual aspect of this is most people, not the Sigmas. But the natives on this planet tend to be wearing clown makeup. It's right. of varying intensities, but they'll have like some white grease paint or something on their face, and then maybe their nose will be a special color, and they may have little circles on their cheeks. So they have a kind of light clown. They're, they're, it's not full bore clown makeup, you know, where right. everything is just painted and it's all opaque. 
but it's a kind of light clown makeup. And that's another theme that we'll see in this era of Doctor Who, because there's another episode called The Greatest Show in the Galaxy that is very much clown-centric. And Ace hates clowns, so she's already (laughs) having the shivers about that. (laughs) So Helen A. enters her office uh, to find her husband there watching a video of Killjoy Routine Disappearance 499,987. So only 13 more to go until half a million. That's a, that's an accomplishment. Uh, we'll, we'll have to disappear to half a million Killjoys. The Doctor and Ace are brought to a square called the, the Waiting Zone, uh, where they find a man playing a slot machine. And the, the prize is a dad joke told by Helen A, apparently. And he says uh, that he's there because he's a Killjoy. He used to be Helen A's gag writer until his brother disappeared, and he started digging into his disappearance, and that got him labeled a killjoy. So, for the quality of the jokes that he told, it's probably... <laughs> Just penalty. Yes. Also, there's a neat bit here that actually resonates with the classic novel 1984 by George Orwell. In 1984... One of the things that Winston Smith mentions at the very beginning of the novel is all of the laws have been abolished because now mm. we have this perfect society. We don't need laws anymore. But it's to- the reality is that's the fiction. The reality yeah. is it's, it's a totalitarian society where there are laws. They're just inconsistently and draconianly enforced. And right. that's what we have here in the Happiness Patrol because we're told the waiting area is not a prison. We don't have prisons. But if you step over that line, you're a dead man. <laughs> right. And all punishments are capital punishments. You know, so they, they, if, you, if you commit the cri- commit a crime, you're going to die. So there are no prisons, because prisons are unhappy places. We just kill you. <laughs> yeah. Or you are disappeared to be experimented upon, which is what's going on for these folks, is uh, they're, they're waiting to be ex- uh, experimented on. Uh, they're told it's illegal to wear dark clothes, to listen to slow music. And read poetry, except for limericks, as well as walking in the rain, um, but, which inspired me to write a limerick, mm. uh, which I'll share with you now. There once was a doctor on Alpha who couldn't muster up any laughter. The sentence was no fine, so Ace threw some Nitro 9, and their adventure followed soon after. Oh, bravo, bravo. There you go. I- <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Don't let my wife I'm hear me. I'm entirely happy with that. I'm glad you're happy. <laughs> my, my wife writes poetry. Don't let her know that I did that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Yay. yes, apparently all poetry is illegal except for and limericks. You are allowed to walk in the rain, but you have to have well, an umbrella. Well, then you should be safe. Yes, yes, no sad yeah, walking. Then you could do the singing in the rain number. Right. So the uh, yeah, so the the fellow that they've met here, the gag writer, his name's Harold V. He's been demoted to V. Uh, he tells them that the Candyman does experiments on arrested people involving sweets, uh, and there are three ways of disappearing on Terra Alpha. Apparently, so there's. The Late Show at the Forum, which is we'll, we'll get a glancing uh, introduction to later. We don't actually see it. Uh, there's a visit to the Candy Kitchen. <laughs> Sounds like a really bad, like, chill, like third-rate children's amusement uh, park, you know, in, in, uh, v- in vacation areas. Uh, that's know? not the oh, sequel to Candyland? I was thinking children's show. Not the sequel yeah. to Candyland? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and then there's a third one, which I don't, which isn't mentioned at this point, so we, we don't we don't know what that is. And uh, oh, it's just the standard disappearance, like what happened to the lady Killjoy at the beginning of the episode. Oh, okay, yes, just being shot on sight. Yeah. So, and, and as you mentioned, Jimmy, the Candyman is a literal man made of candy, like a horrific vision out of Willy Wonka. Yeah, uh, get, and including to, his kitchen. 
And to foster that for myself, I actually sent off for a bag of licorice all sorts. So they arrived yesterday. (laughs) They're apparently, so for people who may not be aware, they're like, they are, they're, they're soft. So don't think hard candy, but they are very brightly colored with different patterns and they're licorice. Yeah. I, I think I've seen them here in the States, but yeah, you got to go more to specialty stores or order from Amazon or something like that. You can't yeah, just go to your, your local grocery store and pick them up usually. Yeah, that's there, what I did was Amazon. There's a lot of candy in Doctor Who, you know, Jelly Babies mm-hmm. and the, the, the Vilkish, all sorts. And well, it's very interesting. I mean, it, I guess because for a long time it was considered a kid's show. So, Well, and I, I, I think, you know, just that candy in Britain is very common. You know, people talk about the United States eating a lot of sugar. Well, I think Britain. At least at one point, oh. it was a, the same kind of thing. Lots yes. of different kinds of candies. Oh, Jammy Dodgers is another one that comes up. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. People will, there's debates over that, you know, whether Britain has the better sweets. Uh, and, you know, I'd be willing to, to do some research on that. Yeah. Anybody who wants to send, <laughs> a, send us samples from Britain, we'll, we'll, we'll gladly take them for, the, for, for science, of course. For science. <laughs> I, I, it is interesting, and this may be just because candy varies from one country to another, but all of the candy that comes up on Doctor Who tends to be British candy. Yes. It's not like familiar candy that would be familiar to people outside of Britain. I'm not sure if that's deliberate or not. Right. I mean, maybe just they aim primarily at their home audience. Of, yeah. Of, you know, and the again, these are, these are candies that are, are familiar in Britain. You know, jelly babies yeah. are still well known in Britain. Jammy Dodgers are well known. You know, these mm-hmm. these licorice all sorts are familiar in Britain. So, I mean, of course, yeah. I mean, at, at least it's not product placements like you'd have here, where the doctor would be unwrapping a Nestle bar or a Hershey bar as he's drinking yeah. a Coca Cola or something like that, <laughs> yeah. using Coca Cola well, to freeze them or something. It's fun as a as a Doctor Who fan that you can you know an American Doctor Who fan that when you say things like jelly babies or jelly, Jammy Dodgers or that sort of thing. Other fans recognize you like, oh, you're a Doctor Who fan because, you know, uh, Jelly Babies, uh, you know, that mm-hmm. makes that makes us stand out here. Uh, so Helen A. has a pet snarling feral poodle that she feeds. Uh, we see her start with feeding it in a big birdcage. Um, yeah. Particularly it, attached to that. It, the, so the monster dog's name is Fifi, and they have a name for the kind of monster dog it is later. Stickerax. Yeah, yeah, exactly, which is sounds like Sycorax, um, yeah. but it's not. But it, it does have, it's got fur on it, so it's kind of like a nightmare poodle. But it also has like three horns in a ridge on its forehead. Mm. And it's like, this. you should immediately take it and breed this thing with the pink horn dog from Star Trek's The Enemy Within. <laughs> because then this dog would be pink and it would even better fit your happiness patrol theme. Yes. I was thinking this was like an homage to that dog in the, in that episode or something because it was close. Be. They look very similar. <laughs> so the Doctor and Ace uh, escape from the waiting zone by disarming a booby trap on a go-kart and escape at slow speed, by the way. Yeah, very slow. Uh, by the <laughs> way, one thing I really like, there's a neat bit where they're, where they're in the waiting zone and the slot machine that the guy, that the gag writer has been playing executes him. So he's like electrocuted to death. Yes. I have to say to death because you can elect, be electrocuted without dying. Right. But he's electrocuted to death. And this puts Ace into a frenzy along with the way they're being treated by the guards. And Ace is, like, ready to fight, and the doctor is settling her down and is saying to her privately, save it, you're no good to me like this. Right. And it's an illustration of how, even though the doctor is 
doing one thing publicly to the to the um, happiness people, he's still. This is all part of a calculating plan on his part, and it's like, hey, stop it! You're no good to me like this, and. Right how he's using himself and Ace tactically to bring down this government, which is what his plan is from the very beginning. Well, and this, right. this is why the seventh doctor is so commonly compared to the second doctor, because both of them were really good at this, of doing the, I'm going to act like a total dunce and watch what's going on in this hand. And by the way, on the other side, I'm, you know, plotting your downfall. Right. Yeah. Uh, we should mention also uh, when Harold V dies, his brother who had been disappeared is executed by drowning in strawberry fondant by the Candyman, and uh, in in another place, uh, we see with the Happiness Patrol and Helene's husband Joseph is there carrying out the execution. Um, and there's a tube that comes down over him that fills with this strawberry fondant, which I don't think it. I thought fondant was more of like a uh, like something uh, thick layer that you put over like well, a wedding cake. Well, that's but, what I was thinking though. I I would think though if it's liquid, it would be hot. Because I thought it Maybe. cools is when it gets to that yeah. that spread, uh, yeah. that layer. Yes. Well, I, I, we could <laughs> we get into the weeds I, on, I, on obviously, on the obviously we're, we're we're not you know chefs by any stretch of the imagination. So <laughs> that's right. I was a Chinese chef, but we didn't use fondant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so the uh, the. There's a story there, but we, that would be a tangent that I, <laughs> I would, don't think we'd recover from. But uh. to to be relevant to this, I really like how the Doctor and Ace are supremely confident that they're going to yes. bring down the government. And by the way, I, I remember I can't remember exactly where, but in one of the histories of Doctor Who that I've read, Andrew Cartmel was like the script editor for this era. And when he was being hired, he was asked like, "What are your goals if you're a script editor?" And one of his goals was bring down the Thatcher, bring down the government. Meaning, cause the the Thatcher government to fall and be replaced in a new election. Bring down the government means something much more dramatic here in America. (laughs) Um, But it means bring down the administration. And so he wanted to bring down the Thatcher administration. And I don't know that this episode really did that, but nice try. I mean, I I find this entertaining. (laughs) And I like how supremely confident and mischievous Ace and the Doctor are. It's like they're totally going to bring down this government. But they're doing it in a way that they're not struttingly arrogant in public. Mm. Like, you imagine David Tennant's doctor being set on bringing down a government, or Matt Smith's doctor being set on bringing down a government. They would be ranting and strutting and all kinds of stuff about it. And the doctor and Ace aren't. It's like, oh, yes, hello, how are you doing? And then privately, we're going to bring down their government tonight. Um, yeah the doctor even says it's going to be tonight it's like they're not even going to stick around for more than 12 hours they're just going to do it tonight yeah yeah also there's a great bit where they have a bomb that they're trying to defuse and as the and the doctor is insisting on defusing the bomb himself even though ace is like let me do the bomb let me do the bomb because she's an explosive (laughs) expert and she actually gets a line in there under her breath it's like i never get to defuse the bomb (laughs) (laughs) so you can tell they're having fun as they're doing this she's like a pyromaniac teenager yeah she's kind of she's a little disturbing at times i'm just saying (laughs) so uh, they escape in the uh in the now uh, booby trap disarmed go-kart at slow speed uh but it breaks down uh and the doctor while the doctor's fixing it ace gets recaptured by the happiness patrol and gets taken off to audition for the patrol uh, and then the doctor gets the cart back in operation and meanwhile, we keep seeing uh, this this uh, black man who turns out to be African-American. He's actually has an American accent. 
Uh, he's playing oh. the blues on a harmonica as he walks around, so that seems suspicious, until the, the Happiness Patrol will show up and he'll switch to a happy tune, and they'll give him a sticker with a happy face, and so on and so forth. Also, as he's going around, we can see these creatures coming up out of, like, manhole covers mm-hmm. watching him, and they're not human creatures, they're kind of humanoid. Yeah. We'll eventually learn that this man's name is Earl Sigma, so he's yeah. from off-planet, but he's like a, a fifth-year medical student in psychiatry or something yep. like that. So the study of happy and sadness, happiness and sadness is right up his alley. Yes. And, uh, yeah, he, he was on vacation there and got stuck there for, for some reason, like ran out of money or something. So meanwhile, Ace, uh, in her audition, is, is auditioning with playing the Spoons, which is a Seventh Doctor thing. Actually, before she gets there, she's gotten away, you know, they got away from the Happiness Patrol on the slow go-kart, but it was so slow that the doctor wanted to soup up its speed, and to yep. give him time to do that, Ace went and turned herself in. So right. that's why she's back in the custody of the Happiness Patrol. It was, you know, she got herself caught once, may as well do that again. So she gets herself caught, and... The Happiness Patrol ladies are kind of, and they're all ladies, uh, they're kind of roughing her up a little bit, and she uses phrases as she's being observed by the little creatures in the background, Mm -hmm. like Wicked and stuff, and then when they're roughing her up, she says, Gordon Bennett, and that will be totally unfamiliar to American listeners. Gordon Bennett is a pinched oath for gore blimey which is itself a pinched oath for may God blind me. Okay. And so it's a pinched oath twice removed because it's a family show and they didn't cuss in Classic Who. And so she says, Gordon Bennett, and that's going to come up later. But you're right. right. Then they, they then take her in and she's playing the spoons badly, which is something she learned from the doctor because Sylvester McCoy in real life plays the spoons and that's been incorporated into his character. And so apparently Ace has been seeing the Seventh Doctor play the spoons and hasn't really picked up the knack. And she admits she doesn't know any jokes or happy songs. And then at this, Susan, the the Happiness Patrol uh, woman who's been auditioning her, confesses that she can't go on pretending to be happy anymore, so she she basically lets Ace escape. Uh, So uh, Susan Q, I think it is. Uh, and uh, is, it, is she Susie Q? Because that would be yeah. really weird. Yeah. <laughs> Susan okay. Q. I, I have a feeling that was probably explicitly uh, chosen. Susie Q. <laughs> now that I think about it. Uh, so the, the doctor's cart breaks down a third time or a second time. Uh, and the, the undercover cop shows up, Silas P. Uh, but as, as Silas P is blowing his whistle to call the Happiness Patrol to come shoot the doctor, Earl Sigma comes, comes around and knocks out Silas. And the doctor runs off with Earl, and the Happiness Patrol shows up and sees how unhappy Silas is about losing the doctor, that they shoot him. This seems like an inefficient system, let me just say. Well, you can see why you could bring it down in the course of an evening. It's that rickety. (laughs) Um, I do like a little bit of acting business that is probably not scripted. It's probably from the actors in the scene where Silas P. is trying to set up the doctor the way he set up the woman at the beginning of the show. He, like, yep. extends the hand of friendship to him, and he sticks out his hand like he's going to shake the doctor's hand. But then in, at the last second, he gestures to the park bench for the doctor to sit down. And <laughs> right. it's just a nice little bit. It's like, fake out handshake. Why don't you sit down right here, sir? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So uh, the Earl and the Doctor run off, and they, they the Doctor has decided to find out what's going on in the Candyman's kitchen. So he and Earl go there. Ace, we see, is is running and is uh, being chased by the patro- Happiness Patrol and is caught by Daisy Kay again. Uh, so she keeps getting caught. Um, the, and then we, we go to the Candyman's kitchen, and he and his human assistant, Gilbert, are bickering about needing new victims for the experiments until they then capture the Doctor and Earl who have shown up. and they basically tie them to uh, barber chairs. Yeah. They even put barber, black barber bibs on them. Mm. And I noticed that the candy man's got a lot of dry ice in his, in his candy <laughs> pots in this candy kitchen because they're really <laughs> sending off carbon dioxide vapor. Yes. Uh, we see a, a somber parade, of, of a parade of Killjoys marching out as the Happiness Patrol comes by with Ace. Uh, but they don't do anything to them, which is interesting. It's like they don't stop the these killjoys or this parade at they this don't point yet yes i also uh, love love what they're carrying they've got a single banner you know for yes. budgetary limitations apparently they just took a bed sheet <laughs> and made one banner <laughs> but the banner says it is so appropriate for this happiness-based society it says factory conditions are a joke <laughs> yes, <that's laughs> that, that is that is a good slogan yeah yeah Meanwhile, uh, the, the one of the little aliens comes out of his manhole, uh, the, 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 uh, one of the uh, little troll-like figures. The Candyman is making—we find out that the, the Candyman reveals that the, he's making sweets that are so pleasurable that the human body can't stand it, and they will die. Although, Harold V's brother—I'm not sure that was all that pleasurable. He, I think he just drowned in hot fondant, but well, okay. Yeah, but I, I think that's, he's like, this is the new thing I'm working on. Oh, is, okay. Is ones that'll kill you with pleasure. They're so tasty. Uh, and then the doctor manages to get the Candyman to, to monologue about how he how to stop its unique execution device of drowning in the fondant, and uh, then tricks him into knocking over a bottle of lemonade, which makes his candy feet melt to the floor so that the doctor and Earl can escape into the, the, the underground pipes, the... Not they're not exactly sewers. I think they're the yeah, the pipes candy that pipes. move the the candy. Yeah, yeah. One of one of the things that I found interesting is the lemonade that he knocks over. The doctor makes a point of saying it's carbonated, and that's yeah. not like American lemonade. American lemonade is not carbonated, but mm. over in Europe, like if you ask for water, they'll say with or without. Like in Italy, for example, you yeah. want water. They'll say with or without gas. Yes. And they mean carbonated or not. And so carbonated water gets used in more circumstances in in Europe than it does in America. And so I found it interesting that they have carbonated lemonade. Yeah. That was, that was something people, when we went over to Poland for World Youth Day a few years ago, people in my group got a kick out of, because every time you do for water, gas, no gas. Gas or no gas. Ga- Con Gaza, no Gaza. Uh, yes, I, I remember that in Rome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Warm, uh, carbonated water. Uh, so the uh, the doctor and Earl discover that the pipes used that they've crawled into have this accumulation of crystallized sugar, uh, which the doctor warns Earl not to you know make a particular sound that that will be important later. <laughs> and uh, then they inc- encounter more of these uh, troll like creatures. Pipe the pipe the pipe people. That's good. And um, the pipe people are now using phrases like wicked. For some reason, <laughs> and the doctor deduces they've just had cultural contamination from someone he knows. Ace, <laughs> and they're like, "No, Gordon Bennett, Gordon Bennett." <laughs> yes, <laughs> so they, they think, think Ace Gordon is Bennett. Gordon Bennett, and they keep referring. Even once they we have Ace with the pipe people, the pipe people keep referring to her to her face as Gordon Bennett. <laughs> 
Uh, I do like the fact that Ace says wicked because it's a very Boston thing. Uh, so yeah, it, back in the waiting zone, Ace and uh, Susie Q talk about how uh, uh, Susie's hap- Susan's happy to be dying now, so she's she's happy. So maybe she could be let go. Uh, the little aliens in the tunnel uh, they make the the doctor understand that Ace has been captured, um, and then one of those aliens comes and helps Ace escape from the waiting zone. Uh, and then the Doctor and Earl are led out of the tunnels by another alien where he encounters Trevor Sigma again uh, of the census. And he turns the table on tables on him with his questions. <laughs> and uh, so Earl's like questioning them about, you know, who are you? Where are you from? And the Doctor kind of just by being officious and, uh, you know, taking uh, as, as as a given that he's uh, an authority figure, turns it on him and makes it out that he's his boss somehow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it makes him take him to to Helen A uh, while Earl goes off to take care of some other things on his own. And, and I love how how Helen A is being introduced to the doctor because, you know, it's it's all very formal. The, the doctor and, and Trevor Sigma are apparently representatives of the galactic whatever, and they're here to take the census. And so this is a this is a formal occasion and she needs to be polite. And she's like talking to the doctor, she says, I'm not sure if I, because she's met Trevor before, but yes. she hasn't met the doctor before. She, so she's saying, I'm not sure if I've had the pleasure. And the doctor says, it's no pleasure, I can assure you. And she says, <laughs> how kind. <laughs> I, I, just, I just love that. It's no pleasure, I can assure you. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Helen is making plans to send uh, Lafifi, the alien uh, dog, uh, to hunt Ace and the aliens, the little alien people, the pipe people in the pipes. Uh, and, and, and there we learn the original inhabitants of uh, of Terra Alpha that yes. have gone underground because of the arrival of human colonists. Right. Which um, I guess is, could you could take that as another point of satire, I guess, of British politics, because Brit- Britain used to have a colonial empire where yep. the natives would get displaced by the colonists. Yep. In some ways. Uh, Earl uh, encounters the Misery Parade and has to hide so as not to get caught up with them. And on a nearby roof, there are these two male snipers, the two, first two men in the Happiness Patrol that we've encountered, and they're complaining about how women get the best jobs and the best guns, which is a, a funny inversion of, of the expectations that they get going there. Ace and, uh, and one of the pipe people, they're in a tunnel when um, Helen puts the alien dog in after them, so it's now in the tunnels chasing them. The Doctor and Trevor, as you mentioned, show up at the office and... Um, and when he quizzes her on the happiness of the planet, she'll, she says, uh, you'll find everyone on Terra Alpha is very happy. Some, and uh, the doctor says, well, some people on Terra Alpha are very difficult to find, <laughs> which is yeah. making a reference to the disappearances. Yes, they're happy because they're not there anymore. And it turns out that the Galactic Census people have recommended population control for Terra Alpha. And, the, and Helen A. says, oh, and we've accepted their recommendations. We have controlled our population by 17%. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Controlled, uh, quote unquote, uh, with the uh, air quotes. Um, so Helen, is at this point, is called away. Uh, and the doctor looks at this photo album she kind of hid behind her as they came in. And photos of her and uh, Fifi the weird dog. Uh, and then he follows her out. She's in another room overseeing routine disappearance 500,005. 500, so they've... 18 routine disappearances in the past uh, couple hours here this night. So they, they're really going for their record uh, or something. The, the doctor confronts her about what's going on. And then as he leaves, he walks past Trevor and Helen's husband, Joseph. 
he takes a fire extinguisher and a lemonade bottle. It's one of those, uh, what are those old fashioned seltzer bottles? Seltzer bottles. That's the word I was trying to think of. Uh, and he, so he takes the, takes them both, uh, which will, he has a plan for them. In the tunnel, Ace and the pipe people alien are being chased by Fifi, so she blasts it with a can of Nitro 9, uh, which apparently that does not take, that does not kill Fifi at this point. Uh, as you I, expect. I, it's amazing the effect they have with Fifi going through the tunnels because the dog is kind of creepy, but it is just a puppet. Yeah. But then it like lays flat on its stomach when it's in the pipes and its legs spin round and round and it just shoots down the tunnel at fantastic speed. And it's like really is kind of effectively creepy. Yeah. They've got some uh, an interesting practical effect going with that thing. So I'm kind of curious how they did it. Earl and the doctor back together, and he tells them about the doctor about the snipers shooting at the demonstrators. The demonstrators are workers, like they're drones from a sugar factory. So that's the what the thing that that they're there for. But uh, the doctor wants to go to the candy kitchen, but he decides to take care of the snipers first. So he confronts them, especially the one that's more bloodthirsty. There's one that's a bit more uh, wanting to really shoot some people here, and the doctor. He taunts this guy to kill him. He's trying to get him to shoot him with his gun, but the guy can't, so he ends up disarming them both. I thought it was a bit of an odd little moment here. Like, why is the doctor taunting this guy to kill him? Mm -hmm. Well, the the idea that the guy could do it as a sniper, do it long distance where he's not facing the person, but when he's standing there, you know, three feet away from him, staring him in the eye, that makes it very different. Oh yeah, it's it's a statement about how killing someone, being confronted with the reality, is different than just killing at a distance where it can be kind of abstract and not as impactful emotionally. Okay, but I thought it worked in terms of this kind of show because they're not trying to be realistic here; they're painting in really broad brushes and doing satire, and so I could accept the illogic of this guy who is a coward face to face but he can kill at a distance with a gun okay okay all right that makes sense so then uh, we have uh, Susie q is there her time for execution by candy is is come and uh, they're waiting for the 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 candy man to send the molten fondant down to 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 kill her but nothing's coming and then we cut to the candy man kitchen where we see he's still stuck to the floor after the doctor uh, made him spill the lemonade on his feet and so his assistant Gilbert has to go and throw some levers, and which means in the tunnel Ace is is running from the fondant, but then the doctor shows up and frees the Candyman in exchange for his promise to divert the fondant away so that nobody's going to get hurt, in which which he does, which he agrees to. So Ace and the pipe person alien show up in the execution chamber, then and she grabs Susie Q as a trickle of the fondant comes out. And uh, Trevor, at this point, tells Helen that the Constitution says an execution may not be repeated if it fails the first time, but she, they could substitute another kind of execution. So so now she's got to audition for the Happiness Patrol, which is apparently a theatrical production Yes, that they do every night. And it's like, this is very much like another episode we're going to get to, which is the greatest show in the galaxy where you have a lethal circus performance if you don't please the audience. Right, right. Yes, that's that's we the late night at the forum is the uh it's a late 
It's essentially another you know reference to late shows that were popular in the '80s and still now uh, popular, uh, like like Johnny Carson was or Jay Leno. Yeah, and, and the doctor when he goes to confirm at the box office, he like bangs on the window to get the guy from the box office to talk to him, and wants to confirm that Ace is going to be in the show tonight, uh, even though her poster is right there. Saying Ace Sigma, yeah, he still wants further confirmation. I guess that she's going to be in the show. So the guy says, "Well, I'll have to look at my, you know, roster at my form for who's going to be on tonight. What kind of act does she do?" And the doctor doesn't have any idea and says, "Well, comedy, songs, magic. What you know, blah blah blah." The doctor says, "She makes things disappear. Ah, magic." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It's not quite magical disappearance, more like obliterated. So, uh, oh, I did. I forgot to mention that uh, when the when the Candyman agrees to divert the fondant, he then turns on the doctor. I, I did what you asked. Now, but now I'm going to attack you. Curse your sudden yet inevitable betrayal. So the doctor's. This is where the seltzer bottle of lemonade comes in handy. He sprays. He used the fire extinguisher before to free the Candyman's feet, but now he sprays the, the lemonade from the seltzer bottle. To freeze his feet to the ground again. Was it, just, it was it a fire extinguisher or was it just a plain seltzer bottle, yeah, plain water seltzer bottle? It was on the. I think it was both. It was on the wall, like in like a fire extinguisher. But the implication was it's seltzer water. So I think it's a oh. seltzer water fire extinguisher. Well, yeah, I guess when you're when you're a clownish society, having a seltzer water in a bottle to spray at people is. You know, well, necessary. and I think that was the original kind of fire extinguisher, too, before they had modern chemical fire extinguishers. They're just water. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Helen and the now bandaged Fifi are watching a video of the drone demonstration. The doctor has sent Earl, by the way, to bring the demonstrators to the Forum Square, but, but it's for part of his plan. Um, but but Fee, uh, Helen, not Fifi, Helen orders a large-scale disappearance. She's, she's now got her plans for taking out all of these killjoys at once. Uh, she plots revenge on Ace and Susan in the forum, while Fifi will take revenge on the vermin in the pipes, as she says. The doctor is, uh, is back talking to Trevor from the Census Bureau again and finds out that he's compiled a complete list of Helen's kills over the past six months, and it's a very long one. Um, I mean, yeah, well, it would be if it's half a million people, which, by the way, if that's 17% of the population allows us to infer that there are about 3 million people living on Terra Alpha, which, or were yeah. uh, 3 million people living on Terra Alpha, which it, they must have severe resource limitations if that's overpopulation. <laughs> well, they, they mentioned, well, they mentioned that the, the, the original inhabitants, the doctor said that they were uh, malnourished. So there must be. Yeah. Real limitation on what they can produce on this planet. Lots of beet sugar, though. That's apparently she got thousands of beet sugar factories. In the Forum Square, the doctor finds a live microphone, so he starts singing the song as time goes by in a French accent for some reason. And uh, uh, then Earl comes up and finishes uh, on the harmonica. Oh, and that's something we should mention because it, it struck me while I was watching this, why does Earl why is Earl playing these blues songs so much when it's going to be dangerous for him mm -hmm. to just be out in public playing the blues? But there's a line that sets that up earlier, where er, when Earl and the doctor separate, he says, and the doctor says, "I'll I'll I'll meet up with you later," and he says, "How will you find me?" And the doctor says, "The brandy of the damned," meaning blues music. 
you right. know, for if you're a damned person or a depressed person, blues is well, kind of like your brandy. And so and so that's why he keeps playing the blues out in public is a signal for the doctor to find him. Well, that line, Brandy of the Damned, comes from George Bernard Shaw. He, he wrote, hell is full of amateur musicians. Music is the brandy of the damned. Mm-hmm. So it's not specifically blues. Okay. Music as a whole. So in other words, yeah. keep playing your music and I'll find you. Right. Yeah. Right. Although in this case, it would still need to be blues to stand blues. out from yep. the Muzak. Right. Exactly. So the uh, the Happiness Patrol you know, with Ace show up in the square and the doctor is laughing maniacally and is joined by the drone demonstration who also join him in laughing. And he points out that they're all happy and can't be shot by the patrol despite Helen's orders because that would make the patrol into killjoys, which then another happiness patrol shows up and starts aiming at the first group because they're being killjoys, which seems to be a giant flaw in their system. So because now that the doctor, by faking happiness, has made a group of the happiness patrol unhappy, the unhappy happiness patrol is now in danger from another faction of the (laughs) happiness patrol. And thus, uh, we're, we have uh, rebellion in the ranks, in right. essence. Uh, so the, the Dr. Ace escaped from this, this mess that he's created and the, they, the, and the others, and they go into the tunnels. Uh, they find the pipe people being chased by Fifi, which at this point the doctor identifies as a stigger axe. Uh, and then they stop and eat that crystallized sugar. Remember that crystallized sugar that he and Earl found earlier, uh, which is susceptible col- to collapsing at a certain note, uh, which turns out to be uh, a C which causes it to collapse on Fifi, uh, thus crushing the little alien dog. That's apparently this tiny little thing, which can, <laughs> it's like a little piranha dog, which must be, kill a bunch of people at once. It's, it's kind of a funny yeah. to think. Well, we, when, we should, when we describe it over podcast, we should say little is relative. I mean, it is kind of the size, it's not the size of a Great Dane, but it's not a Chihuahua either. It's a pretty yeah. good-sized dog. Yeah, it's about a medium-sized dog, but yeah. Um, so, uh, at a report that the drones have been joined by the guards and taking over a sugar factory, uh, Helen wants to get Priscilla P to unleash more violence, but Priscilla P has been captured by Susan and Earl, so, uh, now she angrily calls for the Candyman, but this is when the Doctor and Ace show up in the Candyman's kitchen, and they, they basically use the fire of the, of one of his ovens to drive him into the tunnels, uh, and this is where the little aliens, uh, the pipe people show up in the kitchen and start sending fondant through the tunnels after the Candyman. Uh, which will melt him. Which melts him, yes. And then the remains of the Candyman, the, the mechanical bits, flow out of the chute in the execution chamber where uh, Gilbert and Joseph, Gilbert, the Candyman's assistant, and Joseph, Helen's husband, calmly comment on it. It's kind of funny how very reserved they are in their uh, commentary on this turn of events. Well, one thing I don't think we mentioned, too, in the Candyman is, you know, we saw that that he was mechanical because he had parts cut out of him. You know, he looked like yeah. the candy, but he had parts cut out with wires. So you could see that he was a robot. He wasn't like a person or you know, right. animated candy or something like that. So, I mean, from the beginning, they made it clear he was a robot. But then, of course, what comes out is just the robot bits with all the candy melted away. Yes. Yeah. And Gilbert M. makes it clear that he was the one who made the candy man. Uh, right. He had apparently come to this planet. After being on another planet where he had made the first version of the Candyman, but he left because of a virus that um, mm. got released there. 
and uh, that he had made in a lab, if I recall correctly. Yes. Um, maybe familiar. in Wuhan. I, don't <laughs> I was going to say, was this other planet called Wuhan? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if we have any Candyman show, show up here in America, we, get, we should worry about that. Yeah. So Helen has seen the writing on the wall, and uh, she's now packing a suitcase, and here's the announcements of uh, even more factories falling to the rebels, uh, and then checks on the status of her escape shuttle, by the way, so uh, the escape shuttle is important in a moment. But we find out that Gilbert has launched himself in her escape shuttle, so she's been left behind, and finds out that he's with Joseph, her husband, who says ta-ta to, to the, 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 his, his wife, uh, sorry to leave you behind, but... I'm divorcing you or something. The doctor and the others then break into the palace and subdue first Daisy, uh, but they find that Helen is gone, so they they chase her out and they they track her down, sneaking through the streets. Uh, he tells her that uh, she's running away from herself and can never escape. This is where we kind of get. And b- this- by he, we mean the doctor. The yes. doctor is having a confrontation now with Helen A. Yep. Where he's presenting his alternative philosophy to her, which is that happiness and sadness are like two sides of the same coin. You can't have one properly without allowing the other. Right, right. And he, he kind of confronts her with this idea that you mentioned earlier, that um, your your mandate for happiness was a way of covering up your own sadness. And, exactly. Uh, you can't run away from that. Um, and she complains that people didn't appreciate the gift she was giving them. And she says, uh, love is overrated. And then she sees her dead dog, Fifi, and starts crying. So we have the irony of the the woman who mandated happiness being sad. And th- thus achieving a kind of redemption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that she, she, ca- she is capable of, of mourning, which is uh, something that she apparently denied everyone else. Mm-hmm. So back in the square, the uh, Happiness Patrol have uh, discarded their bright pink wigs. They actually have real hair under there. Uh, they're painting over everything, including uh, painting the TARDIS blue again. Earl says he's going to stay to teach the the colony uh, how to play the blues, and uh, and and that's where we end. And the doctor makes a comment that without uh, there are no other colors without the blues, as the TARDIS is being painted blue again. So that seemed to me a kind of meta comment, yeah. on the show, given the centrality of the TARDIS to the show. This is true, and and that's and that's where we, uh, the doctor says uh, happiness will prevail as they uh, to Ace as they leave. Then that's wraps it up. Uh, Father Corey, any final notes on this? Nothing here. How about you, Jimmy? I I thought this really worked. I enjoyed it. Uh, it is not realistic at all, <laughs> but it, taking taking it for what it is, which is a kind of satire tone poem, mm-hmm. you know, a kind of mood tone poem that's satirical. I thought it really worked. I I enjoyed it. One thing that. Also, I can never think of the Happiness Patrol without thinking of a particular song. As we've mentioned before here on Secrets of Doctor Who, there's there's a YouTube channel called Sycorax Rocks or Sycorax Rock that has a series going. The guy who does it is a very talented musician, and he has a series called 13 Songs for 13 Doctors that he's working on, where he'll take a, a popular song from the era when a doctor was on television and rewrite it to fit that doctor. And then he makes a video out of clips from the show to go along with it. And they're incredibly well done. I mean, they're clever. The videos add a lot and the musical production values are really high. 
I don't know how he does it as just one guy, but I'm really impressed with his 13 Songs for 13 Doctors series. And whenever I think of the Happiness Patrol, I think of a particular segment in his song Wild Wild Vest, which is the song for the Seventh Doctor, where he's got a passage in the song that's all about the Happiness Patrol. You know, 47 killjoys marching to the drum, the Candyman, Candyman, Helen's got a fun gun. It's just great. And so I think we're going to hear a little bit of that right now. Dave Tech, 47 killjoys marching to the drum. It's a Candyman, Candyman, Helen's got a fun gun. She's so mean, but we don't care. They have the tears with the wild, wild hair. Dance in the streets if you're depressed. This is Candyland, but Seven's playing 4D chess. It's 4D chess. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. Also, I love the, the way he, he themes in different games yep. throughout the song. In this case, since we've got the Candyman, this is Candyland, the popular children's game. Right. But Seven's playing 4D chess. <laughs> and it's right. very clever. And so check that out. We'll have a link to that song and to the Sick Racks Rock channel in uh, the show notes. It definitely like subscribe. Uh, it's well worth it. And I look forward to seeing more of the 13 songs for 13 doctors coming out. He's over the halfway mark now. Awesome. That was really good. All right. That was cool. That's a, that's a good way to wrap things up. Uh, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including. Uh, Deacon Al, Judson G, Michael D, Blake L, and John and Greta C. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Uh, we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. And that's it from us. So what did you think of The Happiness Patrol? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the 11th Doctor story, Amy's Choice. Until then... Yeah. yeah and it's a good one. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the Secrets of Doctor Who. Well, thank you, Dom. Uh, Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest, and remember, be as happy as can be expected, given the deeply disturbing nature of so many fundamental universal truths. Right. This is going to be fun.